is up, everybody. This is the Sharp Angles Podcast, the Week 9 Fantasy Football Edition of the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am your host, Raymond Summerlin, and I am joined, as I am every single Thursday morning, by the one, the only, the great Swami of Konami himself, Mr. Rich Rebar. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing good. You know, we've never had a conversation about our intro music. That's it's it's very much like a like 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 80s like sultry vibe. Uh, I, I kind of dig it. Yeah, no, I'm a fan of it. What's really funny is in the room that we record in, for whatever reason, the way it comes through to my headphones is very crackly. So it's almost like a horror, like an 80s horror movie. Like you're only getting like bits of the of the sultry music. So yeah, it's uh I've always enjoyed that part of the intro is me just I I only hear it on the podcast in full in full form. And at that point I hear it in one and a half. By the way, we've never talked about this. Are you a one and a half? You're a two person? Are you listening to the podcast just one speed, like a wild man? What do you do? How what's your what's your podcast speed? Uh, I generally am a, a one percenter, man. I, I leave it base. Uh, like base. So wow. I try to, and I try to ruin it for people. I mean, I've heard people say they try to listen to me at 2x. And uh, I try to make <laughs> it. I try to speed up my cadence to make it even harder for you 2xers. I try to even talk, pack more words per minute like the Micro Machine Man. What was, the, what was his name? The Micro Machine Guy? Oh, I don't remember. Uh, the one from Police Academy? Who are we talking about here? Yeah, yeah. You know, the guy just like talked real fast. Like, I don't talk that fast, but uh, I'm a fast talker. I'm the only person in my head that talks real fast is Twista, the, ah! uh, the rapper. Midwest Chopper. Yeah, there we go, baby. Slow jams. And so I, uh, yeah, that's that's the only one that comes into my mind. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, one and a half. His name is John, Two, uh, John Mashida. John Mashida. John Machida. That does not click in my brain at I'm all. I'm happy to see but him. I'm glad... He's still living. He's still amongst us, too. I'm happy to see that. Uh, a nice 69 years old John Machida. Nice. Shout out to John. Big fans over here, obviously. Uh, shout out. And I, shout try out to, to I try to ruin it for you two Xers. Trying to give you guys a lot of information. Like, what did you say? <laughs> I remember, I don't even think I speak necessarily slow, but I am a Southerner. I am from Texas. And we used to work with another Southerner, Nick Menzio. And I remember when he and I were on podcasts together, we would always get comments about how we were talking like we were, our mouths were full of molasses. Like we just, the slowest talking people. And I go, well, that's your fault. You should be on two times anyway. It's not my fault. This is, <laughs> this is a you problem. This is a you problem. Anyway, we actually have an interesting week to talk about. We have some good games today, Rich, or at least what are this week, at least what we hope are good games, as I, I guess what I should say. So we've got some interesting things to talk about. Before we get into that, I do want to mention... You can go over to sharpfootballanalysis.com. You can find a ton of content over there. Warren Sharp wrote a takedown of Josh McDaniels. I, I I really enjoyed when Josh McDaniels got fired at whatever it was, 1 a.m. Eastern on, on Halloween night. I got like a Slack message from Warren going, oh, yeah, I'm going to write something. And then I got that something at 4.17 a.m. Eastern. I was like, oh, yeah, he's in his bag now. So that's a fun article. So go and read that. You can go and read all of Rich's worksheet articles over the previews for every single game it's just help you get better at betting get better at fantasy all of that is over at sharpfootballanalysis.com if you use the code angles you can get 15 percent off anything over at sharpfootballanalysis.com so go and check that out that code is actually in the youtube description which is a good reminder if you're listening to this as a podcast first of all we appreciate that and put it on one and a half times and the second thing is you can actually do this live every single a Thursday morning at 1130 Eastern time over at our YouTube, go to YouTube, search Warren Sharp, hit subscribe. 
and you'll be able to find us. All right, let's get to it. Time for some real or fake. I, I think the first thing we need to get into with the real or fake is the unfortunate situation in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins getting knocked out for the year with a torn Achilles that was so obviously a torn Achilles when it first happened that I was it was just deflating. I mean, oh yeah, I, I was getting excited. We were so close to getting Justin Jefferson back, or at least it seemed like we were close. I was like, all right, we're going to have a good stretch run. And now Kirk Cousins is gone. So I guess we have to talk about the Vikings offense, real or fake, without Kirk Cousins. It looks like it will be Jaron Hall this week, probably Josh Dobbs after that at some point after they traded for him at the deadline. I mean, if Justin Maybe Jefferson Nick comes Mullins. back, Nick Mullins, he's on IR. He's eligible to return uh, next 10. week in week 10. So Justin Jefferson, if he's playing, you're, you're, he's going to be in your lineup, I would assume. But when we look at the rest of this offense, TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison, this week, even without Justin Jefferson, kind of what are you doing with these guys and, and kind of what are you hoping to see? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing you can't really do with Jordan Addison, TJ. Like, you can't bench these guys, but you have to penalize them just because from a top-down stance, this offense is just structurally going to be different. I mean, this is a team that's just was so reliant on the pass. And, you know, it's a bummer for Kirk Cousins because he's a guy that, like, obviously he's got big dad energy. He gets made fun of a lot. Like, he was playing excellent. Kirk Cousins was having an excellent yeah. season. Uh, he's doing really good, yeah. All of their touchdowns but one have come through the air. A league-high 79.3% of all their yards this season has come via passing. Like, this team hasn't been able to run the football at all, uh, and now you're removing a quarterback that was playing really well from it. I do have some faith in Kevin O'Connell to, like, structurally get some things in order, like we saw last year with McVay, like, trying to hodgepodge his way through, like, all the quarterbacks they ran. Um, granted, the receiver situation is just not as poor, so at least that will help things, especially when we get Justin Jefferson back. But, I mean, you have to just anticipate, like, you know, a natural recoil here. I want to have faith in Jaron Hall. He was a guy like my 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 model kind of liked him a little bit. He's he's athletic, but I mean, three percent of all NFL quarterbacks drafted around four or later have averaged two hundred passing yards per game. Like the, like the expectations have to be so low here. Like even saying Jaron Hall can exceed expectations, it's only because the expectations are are low. They're very low. So it's very tough to say, like, we're going to get, like, a, a high run out here. I think you have to penalize everybody. Like, what can you do with Hawkinson? What can you do with Addison? Like, these are guys you got to play at this point. Yeah, and specifically on Hawkinson at tight end, you just have yes. to play him. What I will say is that with a rookie quarterback who didn't really push the ball down the field in the preseason uh, that much, by the way, a 15.8% sack rate in the preseason, that's less than – that is less than ideal, 54.2% completion rate. So it wasn't great in the preseason. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. It's a preseason. You know, he was a rookie, but, you know, that's not a, that's certainly not a great sign. I think you could see, especially until Jefferson gets back, Hawkinson be even more involved if that's possible. And so maybe that's good for him. Maybe it's good for a guy like Brandon Powell, who's going to be used maybe more creatively around the line of scrimmage. Maybe he gets a few more targets, but I think your overall point that this hurts the entire offense, which means it hurts every single fantasy player. I think that's the right takeaway. And to your point about the running game, in this situation, for if you're a different team, you would think to yourself, all right, we're going to emphasize the running game, and the running game just doesn't work for this team. And we've seen them try. We, we obviously saw them try a trade for Cam Akers. Cam Akers got a little bit more run. It still didn't work. Madison has kind of taken a little bit back over. Last week, at least, we'll see what the – what the split is there and how that kind of ebbs and flows free Ty Chandler is what I always, it's say. a slappers only so, backfield for sure, man. It is slappers yeah. only in that backfield. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's not, 
what a what a what a call what a uh what a reference there it took me a second i was like what the heck is he talking about but yeah that's a that's a winner um yeah so like the running game doesn't work it's probably not going to work now especially that we don't have Kirk cousins and the whole offense is hurt so even though you might get i don't know a few more targets or a bit a, a better target share for tj hawkinson and you're going to play him because he's a tight end i just it's, it's rough it's tough what i will say is we do have a kind of writer's conference call every Wednesday. It's one of my, it's definitely my favorite meeting of the week. I will say, I will say that apologies to everybody else that I'm in meetings with, but Ryan McChrystal, who will be on the YouTube Your favorite trip channel to the dentist. tonight. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, uh, Ryan McChrystal will be on the YouTube channel tonight with Todd doing their betting and DFS preview. He mentioned, and he's obviously our college football guy, our, our draft guy. He mentioned that, Jaron Hall was not drafted because of age and injury concerns, but he's healthy now and he has a lot of starting experience. So maybe he does surprise, mm -hmm. but to your point, if he surprises, is that 215 yards and two touchdowns? Like, is that the level of that we're getting with a surprise? And so that's, that's kind of the issue. Oh, this is the Arthur Smith dream probably, right? Like he, this game could be 17 to 16 and he'll be so giddy. Yeah. But we do need to move on to another person that like, and this is just, this is an example of we don't know anything. I played a lot of Atlanta Falcons defense last week. And I played a lot of Atlanta Falcons defense last week is because I thought Will Levis was going to struggle like he did in college with negative plays and with interceptions. And we didn't really see that against the Falcons. Instead, he threw four touchdown passes. He pushed the ball down the field. He showed off the electric arm that we know that he has. And he pretty much avoided those negative plays. And he pretty much avoided those sacks. And so the real or fake question here is, as we move forward, what do you think we're going to see from this Titans offense? They play on Thursday night. So if you're listening to this after in the podcast form on, on Friday, then you'll already know the answer to this. But kind of mm. moving forward, what are we expecting to see from Will Levin? Yeah, I mean, I think you just let him play the rest of the year if you're the Titans. Obviously, we'll see what, ends up, what, what, yeah. ends, what ends up happening. But um, we did see, like, the upside, though. Like, this is why Will Levis was one, at one point in the conversation of people thought he was going to maybe even go top five to some teams. You know, he obviously that was, like, a lot of smoke towards the end of the draft season. But, like, he's a tools guy. The dude has a howitzer. He's a big athletic quarterback. Like, he's he, he looks like he came just came out of the gym. I mean, that touchdown he threw to Nick Westbrook at Kine was in like not many dudes are making that play. And that's like what got the allure of like, all right, well, this is why we maybe take a shot on Will Levis. Now we'll see uh, how much variance is. Obviously, small sample. Titans fans all know too better but the experience of their the last quarterback to throw for four passing touchdowns in their debut was Marcus yeah. Mariota. So twist Titans, that knife. Twist that knife. <laughs> Titans fans know that. Like the rest of that story was told. I mean, obviously, when you have like, the production come on all those deep balls. You just, there's the sustainability factor. I mean, under pressure, he was still four of 11 on third downs. He was still really bad. So like just hitting big plays, like, all right, you showed us the big plays. Now show us playing quarterback, right? That's what we still yeah. need to see built out in the sample. And that's not a detriment saying to run and hide from it. I think they should play him the rest of the year, but uh, that's what we need to see. It's the playing quarterback aspect that was always held. Will Levis back, not the, it's what we saw last week. Exactly. What I will say <laughs> is that, and I watch Will Levis play in, in Penn college because yeah, yeah, I, I am at, where's my cup? There we go. I'm a Penn State fan. So here we go. I watched him play in college and that arm is has been amazing for a long time. But like I continue to say, he did beat out Sean Clifford for a reason. 
Sean Clifford, NFL quarterback Sean Clifford. Congratulations, Sean. Get your money. But he didn't breed out Sean Clifford for a reason. And then we saw his last year at in college. We saw him really struggle with those negative plays and sacks. And just because we didn't see it for one game doesn't mean we're not going to see it later. However, seeing that talent on an NFL field, seeing it's it's different to see it on an NFL field, to see, oh yeah, this guy is different than from an arm perspective, than even like the the quarterbacks that we think have a strong arm. Like it mm-hmm. was just, it was wild to see some of the throws. You mentioned that, that Westbrook Akine throw off his back foot, just launching that thing. It, it really was impressive. And I'm hopeful that he can harness that, that he can avoid the mistakes, avoid the sacks, avoid the negative plays, play better under pressure, which that's going to be a concern tonight against the Steelers defense. And then, and then, you know, see where he goes from there. Kind of a related question. We have a question here in the chat about from Josh, which was, would you trade Lamar, Jacoby Myers, and Demario Douglas for Hertz and D-Hop? And his real question here, and I, and I appreciate you, Josh, simplifying the question here, does D-Hop or Myers have more rest-of-season value? What do you see with, with those two players? Oh, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins for me. I mean, one, he's the better football player. Uh, and then, two, we're getting, you know, the Raiders situation is just is like turmoil. Phil. Like, it's a bad vibes energy, like, situation for the Raiders the rest of the year, right? Like, is there to be, like... Well, <laughs> did the bad vibes leave the building? Like, that's the question. The Maybe. bad vibes might have left the building. They, they might be gone now. Maybe, but this just like open air, open in a question because we Aiden O'Connell hasn't targeted Jacoby Myers, a very small sample, a very small sample, but he hasn't targeted him at all. 10, 10.5% of his routes uh, when he's been under center. It's just, and Jacoby Myers is already a guy that was living like on touchdowns that we knew were going to eventually pull back anyways. So I'm just going to take the, I'll just take my chances with I, the guy I think is the better football player, but it's, I don't think either guy's wide receiver one or anything. Yeah, I, I'll say the Demario Douglas part of that trade does make me a little bit nervous because I do think, and I mean, it's the Patriots offense. You're not going to get terribly excited, and he's going to get, you know, if he's doing well, he's going to have, what, 10 yards per catch, something like that. Like, that's what we're looking at with a guy like Demario Douglas. But he could get 27 28% of the targets in New England. Who else are they targeting? Now I wasn't certain Demario Douglas is going to be your uncut jam. I do like Demario Douglas. I should actually now that you mention it, that probably should have been. I was like, well, Ray's going to take Demario Douglas, so yeah, yeah, you're right. I did add him literally, literally everywhere. That's a all right. That's a that's an early uh, honorable mention uncut gym for everybody. Is Demario Douglas? So he's going to so be the most. Go. He's going to be uh, one of the most popular DFS guys this week because of his salary. Well, absolutely. <laughs> I, he is he is a a person that I will not be that I will not be. Um, I will not have in a lot of lineups because I don't know what the ceiling really is. And he's going to be in a ton of lineups. I got a question here. Uh, do you guys expect a chain to have the same role when he gets back? That's an interesting question that we'll talk a little bit more about when we get to the dolphins and chiefs. But what I will say just kind of real quick in passing is that there appears to be a role here for a chain because what we've seen from Mostert, and we just talk about it now, Mostert from a usage perspective recently has especially last week has been i don't know it's 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 not again we're we're vibes in here it's not great vibes kind of what we've seen kind of raheem mostert's usage right yeah but i mean that should be expected i mean it's the one you've got an explosive offense we've got a 31 year old running back that was probably forced into more usage early in the season than they intended 
it was just kind of out of necessity. And now that you've got Jeff Wilson back, you've got Salvin Ahmed back. Because remember, he missed a, a stretch that when they elevated Achan. So we just had a little bit of pullback here. And I think that that was always kind of the plan with this with this backfield was probably to keep all of these guys that they're playing in the rotation, like around like that 12 to maybe 15 touch mark. Right. And it just like circumstantially elevated most early in the season. Yeah, I think that's fair. I I am interested to see that they brought Jeff Wilson back and then he hasn't really had a ton. Of he's not very good. So the does... thing with Jeff Wilson is he's a ham and egger. Like he doesn't do anything special. He's like a. He does the right things, and do anything, but he doesn't do anything. He doesn't wow you. And now that they have a guy like A-Chan, when A-Chan comes back, and we've already seen the genie out of the bottle with A-Chan of like, when it's going well, this is what it, 10 yards per carry well. Uh, exactly. Like, it's going to be hard no. to not play him. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to be quite the same as it was right. before the injury, but I I do I think that they're going to use him. And with his explosive ability, he's going to be – in my opinion, very useful for fantasy. So I'm I'm excited to kind of see that we get back. One more question here from Evan. Would you drop Michael Mayer for Quentin Logan at tight end? Yeah, I don't think you should be. I don't think Michael Mayer is somebody that you should have as a, your second tight end. Uh, dropping over Quentin Johnson, though, how much do you think of what we saw last week from Quentin Johnson was them actually trying to get him involved or just Josh Palmer getting hurt? Like what, what? What's kind of the split there? I think it's still probably a little bit of both. I mean, Palmer came in the week banged up. They had to have more of a necessity to get Quentin Johnson involved. I was happy the way they used him, though. You know, he was running those drags and getting the football uh, to where he could use his yards after the catch ability. Um, but, I mean, it's probably the run out for either of those guys. I would still say I would just rather have Quentin Johnson because, like, the ceiling outcome for Quentin Johnson is just a lot better than – Take, like holding out for a tight end, right? Like just like holding a tight end too. In general, I do not want a second tight end on my team. Yes. In normal size leagues that aren't tight end. I don't have like teams with just good, one good tight end. Well, I'm like holding two bad ones. I am currently in a in a dynasty league that I'm trying to tear down. That you're a part of, by the way. If you need a tight end, uh, hit me up. I'm trying to like sell Gerald Everett and Taysom Hill for uh, whatever I yeah, whatever yeah. I can get for them. They're tough because, dynasty sales. Well, obviously, but like if you don't have a tight end, like I don't really know. I don't really know what you're starting, and if you wanted to win, so there you go. I'm trying to sell him. Maybe get a fourth round pick out of him. We'll we'll see kind of we'll see how it goes. Interesting. Kind of going back to that A chain question, we're gonna have a similar situation, but to a much larger degree in Detroit. Whenever David Montgomery gets back, I'm assuming he'll be back. They're on bye this week. I'm assuming he'll be back after their bye week, but that's an assumption. He didn't practice at all uh, this past week, and so maybe maybe that's an assumption. But we've seen yeah, nice. Jameer Gibbs just absolutely explode over the last two weeks. His usage explode, and I wonder if, like you said, with A-Chain, kind of the genie's out of the bottle now, and I wonder what kind of a role David Montgomery will be coming back to, kind of how you see that situation. Yeah, I see it similar to kind of the probably the Jamal split like last year uh, just kind of has worked out for David. Now, David Montgomery was probably always kind of like a sell high anyways uh, because of just how, all, how many points he was getting off of touchdowns, right? Like it was just going to be unsustainable. 42.3% uh, of his fantasy production has come from rushing touchdowns alone. Like that's just an unsustainable rate of production. So that was always going to be like kind of a pullback. Uh, that wasn't going to be able to like live over the course of the season. Um, so yeah, I mean, it sucks that he got hurt because he probably missed like a window to like really cash out on David Montgomery. 
Uh, not that he's gonna be a bad play, but he is probably gonna be back to being like a touchdown dependent play. Like if David Montgomery doesn't have a touchdown in a given week, like he's not catching any passes, and you're getting hollow yardage. So, and granted, that's fine. Like in this Lions offense, like you can just play a guy that's a touchdown, like our bust RB two type of guy. Uh, we're all playing some really bad running backs in some leagues, anyways. But I definitely think that David Montgomery was already living his best fantasy life prior to the injury. Yeah. Hi, Daryl Henderson. Uh, please keep doing what you're doing because I need you in uh, <laughs> I need you in several leagues. Uh, so I do I do appreciate that. I mean, I that split was so heavily favored towards Montgomery, though, before the injury in the first six weeks. Jameer Gibbs had 23.8% of the carries and 18 targets. And one of those games, by the way, David Montgomery missed. And that still didn't work out for him. What I think has been interesting the last two games is that Jameer Gibbs has 15 targets in the last two games. And so, like, that's involvement's increased. So does that offer, you know, we haven't seen this Lions team really target the running backs a ton. So are they going to continue to get him involved there? I think for this, I'm more worried about Jameer Gibbs because I think that we've seen now that if Jameer Gibbs is going to get the touches, he can produce, he can be a running back one, he can be kind of what people were drafting him to be. Uh, whenever whenever he was being taken and what he got as high as the third round right which was madness but I think he got all the way up to the third round and so I think I think this is more a question of with Jameer Gibbs we're not going to go back to all the way where we were but are we going to go back to him kind of being like well I hope he gets six catches kind of situation and I'm yeah he's gonna be very James James cookie and still yeah I think so yeah yeah and if he if he's James Cook we'll talk about James Cook later if he's James Cook, then you're like, all right, well, I guess I'm starting this guy because running back is terrible, but I'm not excited about it, which is which is bad because the last two weeks you've been excited about playing Jameer Gibbs. So it's kind of yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a bummer. We do, that's why fantasy football like it's always about like being in on like the right pockets of production, right, and not worried about like the the, the total season long stats. You just got to take in these these pockets where like Jameer Gibbs is an RB one, and you can confidently play him um, and just try to take advantage of those spots, but. We get very, we have very finite amount of players that are good every week in fantasy football. That's right. Uh, keep, keep, keep running hot, Christian McCaffrey. We're going to miss you this week. One more here for real or fake, and that is Trey McBride. Trey McBride over the last three weeks, by the way, is fourth in tight end targets. Obviously, he had fourteen last week, but he had five and six before that. So we kind of expected we would see that. I was not heavy on Trey McBride last week in DFS because the Ravens had been absolutely shutting down tight ends, uh, but that didn't matter. That's a great sign for Trey McBride. But I guess kind of moving forward, the question is, is this offense going to change now that Josh Dobbs is in Minnesota? Are we going to see fewer tight end targets? Because Josh Dobbs targeted tight ends on 31.5% of his career targets. Another good sign for TJ Hawkinson, by the way, to bring that back to the other one. And so are we going to see as many tight end targets if they get Kyler Murray back, when they get Kyler Murray back? I think that's an open question. So how are you viewing Trey McBride as we kind of move forward? Yeah, I think very similar to what we talked about with Don Kincaid last week, though. I mean, we've got a player with pedigree, collegiate pedigree. I mean, he was the Mackey winner when he came out, uh, was the most productive tight end in that draft class by a mile. Uh, and he's got an opportunity. I am a little bit concerned about it's like the overall target volume with the Josh Dobbs stuff, but I mean, he's going to get a quarterback upgrade. So that that's a factor and he's going to get better quarterback play, which could help. So we have more potentially more scoring opportunities, but it just adds him into this bucket of at least until Zach Ertz comes back, 
that we're going to have a guy on the field the entire time that's a good that has was a good prospect and has a, a pathway to opportunity at tight end. Like what what more can we really ask for? Right. That's like all we're looking for at the at the position. So not a good matchup again this week, but we would have again said the same thing last week. So you just got to take take the opportunity and I think plug him in as the back end tight end one and let Jesus take the wheel, man. Uh this week makes it a little sketchier, Clayton Tune, but Kyler's yeah. come back next week. Yeah. Yeah, Kyler will definitely be back next week. So I, I that'll I'll be interested to see. Kyler has not targeted tight ends. Of course, he hasn't really had great options. I think yeah. it was in Cliff Max Kingsbury's <laughs> Exactly. And Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury doesn't target tight ends. And so, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of system involved in that. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Let's move on and talk about a few of these very interesting games we have this week. Before we do that, I do want to mention that Rich Rebar has written a comprehensive preview of every single game for week nine, which you can find over at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Use code ANGLES. You can get 15% off of our fantasy package, which gives you access to all of those. So make sure you go and check that out. First game up, Dolphins and Chiefs early on Sunday morning. Messing with my Sunday morning a routine, my DFS lineup building. At least this time, it's good. Don't look at what the one for next week's going to be. The one for next week is... It's Colts Patriots. I don't know. I don't know how excited we're going to get about waking up for that one. But this week we have an exciting one to open to wake up for. Dolphins and Chiefs. Chiefs obviously coming off of a very disappointing loss. The Dolphins have had two opportunities to have marquee wins this year. They got thumped in both of those. Both of these teams need a win. I'm I'm very excited about this game. However, if I'm looking at this game from a is this going to shoot out perspective, I think the first question is. Is this Chiefs offense okay? Uh, is there a problem with this Chiefs offense? Because they scored 41 against the Bears. They scored 21 in the second quarter against the Chargers in one quarter. But in their other 27 quarters this year, they scored 125 points. That's an 18 and a half point per game, full game average. There's something wrong here. They're, you've mentioned it. They're not scoring in the second half as well. I'm I'm very concerned about this offense. I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes, Danny Reed. They're going to figure it out, I would imagine. But as it stands right now, I'm I'm pretty concerned about kind of where this offense is. I mean, we've done this for four years with the Chiefs. It's four years running. This is an unserious regular season team. Like they they they, yeah. they, they do this every year. We've done it. Like has everyone solved the Chiefs two years ago where they had like that four game stretch where Mahomes threw like six yards for pass attempt. They changed the eight out. Like this is a team that finds its way. Uh, by the time when they actually start caring about the actual games and not that you don't have to so, win games so to get there. So do they but... actually care about this one then? That's the question. Yeah. Because if I they mean, don't, that matters. Do. I mean, they they I, I don't want to say they don't care about any games. Like last week, you know, you had Mahomes with the flu stuff the, the week before. Like it's easy to kind of throw out kind of what happened in that game as a division game. You've been harping on the, the teams getting the look ahead for the international stuff for a while. Uh, probably maybe overlooked that a team that they you know had just beaten two weeks in a row. Just like a lot of elements went into play. Uh, but for fantasy, just so people know because I don't think I've ever mentioned that on the podcast. Oh, I'm talking teams, teams before the international game over the last two years. I, I'm this off the top of my head. I believe they're now five eleven and one against the spread with some bad outright losses in there. The, the Ravens lost that loss they had to the Colts was before. Was that before the international game? They had Ravens had one bad thing happen to them before the international game. And so, yeah, it's it has not been good before the international game. That's something to think about this week with the 
with the Colts and with the Patriots. Just as an aside, because I don't think I've ever brought that up. There you go. Yeah, they lost this. That was the Ravens Steelers game. Oh, the Steelers. So they lost that game to the Steelers that they had no business losing. There you go. Yeah, when all their players dropped 100 passes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's it's there's something weird about it. There's something to this international thing. I'm telling. You. Yeah, but there. But I mean, the context of the Chiefs for fantasy football, because like there's it's like that's that's probably more of like a real life like over because for the Chiefs from like a fantasy football stance, like nothing still changes for how we're cheating his offense, right? Like. We've got maybe one wide receiver we're semi-interested in, and we're playing Travis Kelsey, and we're forced to play Isaiah Pacheco through thick or thin at this point because of the running back landscape and the amount of touches he's getting into. But, like, nothing else, like, really changes, like, for us. Uh, so, like, us having those conversations, like, every, like, I used to always have in years past with Dan Pizzuto when it wasn't a fantasy show. Like, we don't really have to have those right now. Like, the, like the Chiefs are going to find if – it, if it's a problem in the playoffs – and like they haven't gotten to this point or solved anything, like, yeah, maybe. But like we've done this for four damn years in a row with the Chiefs, where like they have these like a month stretches where they do jack shit and it doesn't matter. I think it matters from the context of well, it depends, I guess. It depends on how you characterize fantasy. But I assume a lot of people are gonna get excited about this game. They're gonna be playing single game DFS in this game. Obviously, it's not sure. part of the main slate. And so I would say that Patrick Mahomes is going to be on what 80% of showdown rosters, something like that. And that's probably, that's probably correct. He probably should be on that many, but it's at least interesting to think about the other side of this. If this offense continues to struggle, you mentioned it was against the Broncos. They scored 19 against the Broncos the two, the two weeks before that. So it wasn't like it was just this international game. This has been a, they scored what 20, 23, against the Jets they scored 17 against the Jaguars obviously it was without it was without Travis Kelsey but they struggled offensively against the Lions this is a long running thing this isn't just like a recent thing and so i think from a fantasy perspective it's more of a expectations thing you can't get away from Travis Kelsey at all by any means but in a showdown lineup could you maybe omit Patrick Mahomes and go very heavy on the Dolphins and maybe get a little bit unique that way i, I think it could be interesting that said if this game explodes i mean we know what Patrick Mahomes can do he can just throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns and, and that's it so that's the, that's the game you're playing on Pacheco i'm glad you mentioned that he's been struggling 3.6 yards per carry over his last four games uh, just 5.7% of his carries have been 10 yards or more hasn't been creating goal to go uh, situations. He's 24th in goal to go rushes over the last month among running backs. You're right. You have to keep playing them. But again, from a DFS perspective, again, this could be a situation where we're comfortable omitting Pahom, uh, Pacheco from our from our showdown lineup. So that's kind of the way I'm I'm thinking about you know thinking about all of this. Yeah, and it's a, it's just like more of a micro stuff because even with the Chiefs like having like all that production you laid out, like Mahomes has still been a top ten quarterback in every game except for three, right? And like that's the like where the landscape we live in for fantasy football this year. I mean, Tua is probably the MVP if the season ended today, he wins MVP. Tua hasn't even had back to back QB one games yet this season for fantasy football. Like Lamar has three games as the QB twenty or lower. Like that's the context we live in, but like. All the, the the core Chiefs guys are all still getting there through this. Like Kelsey is just rattling off tight end one weeks. Like Mahomes is still, like I said, top ten every week but three. Uh, so like, and and Pacheco still is living as an RB two. I think there was a stretch there where, where we were kind of getting excited about Pacheco being like a fringe RB one, and that's like the brakes have kind of been pumped on that. 
Like we were getting maybe a little bit too excited uh, because he still does have that issue of when the Chiefs get inside the five, they do a lot of different things. Uh, they're a team that like, again, this is an unserious regular season team. Like this is, we have years, years of this where like they do things that are kind of unorthodox and uh, they don't go through the motions, but like they do goofy stuff, man. Like this is, and then, you know, Hey, around the rosary, <laughs> like they do all kinds of things. Um, so Mahomes or uh, Pacheco was saving his floor though. So he's getting that little sprinkling of receiving work, which we didn't have last year, which is great. Cause at this point last year, like you were dying on these Pacheco games. Like, like you were like, Oh, like if he had a game like last week, you're just like, Oh, this is unusable, but at least he's catching some passes in these games. Like or two weeks ago, he had a game where he still had 10 PPR points that a touchdown that would have never happened his rookie season. Um, so at least you're getting that, but yeah, I think there was just a, you pumped the brakes on the Pacheco, the jets game kind of unlocked. I was like, well, if we get this every week, like we're cooking, like man, Andy Reid back. Like, and now I think that we just pull, pull back on that now. Yeah. Until this offense clicks and maybe that's what happens after their bye week and they go, okay, I guess we need to get serious to try to get the number one seed. And then, you know, Pacheco's right back. I, I, you mentioned the one wide receiver that you're quasi interested in. Our friend Rishi Rice, who we talk about every week. Hi, Rishi Rice. I hope you're doing. I hope you're doing very well. He was up to 61.8% route participation over the last two games. It was 35% over the fifth or the first six games with none over 51%. He's very clearly their best option at wide receiver. I'm not sure how much they trust them. I'm not sure how excited Andy Reid is about having his number one receiver be a rookie, but here we are. And so if this game pops off, I think that, you know, he's he's going to be a good bet. Another guy that's going to be a good bet if it goes wild is Jalen Waddle. Finally hit last week for real hit last week. He does have three touchdowns over his last four games, 27.6% target share over that span. I am I am remain excited about Jalen Waddle. We're kind of back to that. They're either throwing to Hill or they're throwing to Waddle or throwing to nobody. And it's it's, it's the dream in this offense that's going to work out more often than not. Yeah, Pat. In the past four weeks, only Tyreek Hill, his teammate, Jamar Chase, and Amon Ross St. Brown have been targeted at a higher rate per route than Jalen Waddle. So, like, we're getting the usage we want. We're just we're not getting the downfield stuff like we did last year. That's kind of like the only like kind of one bugaboo is that over that span, only eight point one percent of his targets have been deep targets. Nineteen point one percent for Hills. So, like, Hills still soaking up like all of like the targets that are like soaked in fantasy fat, so to speak. Uh, we're still getting those uh, for Tyreek only, but Waddle is just, that's what the usage we want from him in this offense. You're going to run into more good weeks uh, than not uh, in that scenario. I like I said, I'm curious about the Tua stuff. I think Tua is interesting. This is another test for him. You know, he, we've had him in these spots and he's kind of let down. And the Chiefs defense still is really good. Even though last week they had a step back, they get the three passing touchdowns to Russ. They allowed six yards for pass attempts still in that game. Like still a pretty good what? defense. Was one that, of those touchdowns was that short field touchdown. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. another one of the touchdowns was an odd one too. So yeah, that, that felt more fluky. The The real thing was that they held down that passing attack pretty much for the entire day. So, I mean, we've been, we've had two in a couple of years. Again, if two is a QB one this week, it'll be the first time he's been a QB one back to back weeks all season. Yeah. And the dolphins, I mean, I mentioned this at the top, they need this win. Like they need, they need a resume win if we're going to start trusting them. And they, they haven't had it yet. And their two opportunities have gone very poorly. To be fair, they're both on the road. Um, this one, I guess, is kind of on the road, but, you know, it's a, it's different. And so, yeah, we'll see it. Soaked in fantasy fat. That's a, that's an, I've never heard soaked in fantasy fat. 
What things do you soak in fat? I'm very curious. I, I, you know, I, I, do you, have you heard of Joshua Weissman? Have you ever watched him? His videos, cooking videos? I have not, no. Well, yeah, he, you know what? Uh, he he remade McDonald's old fries with the animal fat, like beef tallow. And I was, I've been thinking about how much I want to eat like an old McDonald's French fry, like when we were kids. Uh, and just trying to remember what they tasted like. So you, like the youths don't know. I tried to explain to my, my kids. They, they don't know. These McDonald's fries are counterfeit. These McDonald's fries, uh, my favorite thing, my, the worst thing about the McDonald's fries is that if you get them in a bag and get home, by the time you get home, they're inedible. And I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> McDonald's fries and nachos are the only two things <laughs> that, go from, that go from amazing to disgusting in three minutes. They, it's wild how quickly they do it. But it is, you are right. The, the fries are, they've taken a step back and uh, I miss the good old days. The nuggets too. I liked when they, they came out with the nuggets like, oh, they're all wheat, they're all white meat. And, you know, these are actually, you know, actual chicken are in our nuggets now. And I ate it and went, no, let's go back to the fake stuff. The fake stuff, that was, <laughs> that was a winning formula, McDonald's. But you know, here, we, here we are. All right, let's move on to- It's also a Tyree Kill Revenge game, man. Oh yeah, I forgot we have to walk down Narrative Street. Any other, any other, <laughs> any other fun narratives we need to walk? We need to no, walk down. No. We did. We missed the Scotty Miller revenge game a couple weeks ago, so oh. that was a that was a mistake. He, he scored part. a touchdown last week, Scotty Miller. He did. He scored that touchdown. So we need to we need to keep walking down Narrative Street. Uh, any if, put it in the chat. Any Narrative Street stuff we missed? We missed in the chat. All right, let's get to Cowboys and Eagles. I think the most important thing out of this game from a fantasy perspective is, is Jalen Hurts healthy? And I don't know the answer to that question. I saw a reporter asked him about his knee yesterday and I believe it was yesterday and he just kind of like walked off. He wouldn't answer the question, which is an interesting decision. Although I, I suppose he's probably been asked about it a few times recently. So maybe that's, maybe that's a justifiable thing. He's not on the injury report, which that seems like some injury report shenanigans to me. Like how, how, how much do you think this is affecting him? Kind of how worried are you about about kind of where he is from a health perspective? It's tough to say. They're calling it a bone bruise. We don't really know what's going on. There was a report that after the game on Sunday, he required like an hour-long treatment for his knee. So it's like these are all just vague things. I'm no doctor. I don't know what's going on. You know, I just listen to the the PTs on Twitter tell us what's going on, you know. Uh, but he only he only scrambled one time last week. And then the week before, he only ran for 21 yards. So, like, it's clearly something is reducing his rushing ability. And we would want him to be able to run in this game because it's one thing to just drop back and throw for 300 yards in the commanders. Everyone's done it. You ain't going to drop back. Like, the probability of him just dropping back and as, a, as his drop back passer and just shredding the Cowboys is probably in the lower range of outcomes. We did see Brock Purdy do it a couple weeks ago. So maybe it's not impossible, but I would say that it's still probably in the lower end of game outcomes here. So we would want that mobility to be here. They are on bye next week too. So we're going to get a week. So it's just something we're going to have to live with. I mean, you're not going to bench Jalen Hurts. I think like you said, talking about like what we talked about in the context of the last game, it just may be like, if you're stacking this game from DFS, it's a really terrible main slate. We've got some good matchups, but like this main slate is, is horrendous. Maybe the worst of the season. So like, does that push you to like play more Lamar Jackson instead of Jalen Hurts? Cause they're the only two front end quarterbacks uh, on the board this week. Uh, so does that push more ownership to Lamar? Like those are the types of like micro things that can impact. But uh, he only threw for 155 yards in his one game against Dallas last year. 
Uh, it was the second fewest yards uh, in a game passing uh, last year. It, it's also the first time we're going to see Dak and Hertz kind of play like with both of these teams, like where they are, because Dak didn't play in the first game last year. Hertz didn't play in the second game last year. So it'll be fun matchup here. This game is huge for like real football, like circumstances. Because uh, the Eagles coming out of the bye also play the Chiefs and the Bills coming out of the bye. Like, this is a massive stretch for, for the Eagles. So the Eagles schedule game. is worse than that, even. And I'm going to bring it up real quick. Play the, it, after the Eagles schedule is wild after the bye. So they get Dallas, then they have the bye, then they're at Kansas City versus the Bills versus the 49ers at Dallas and then at Seattle. All of those teams are arguably, you know, we'll see what the 49ers are able to do after their bye. But all of those teams are fine. arguably top eight teams. Top eight teams is what we're talking about. And that's what they have just back to back to back to back to back to back here. This we're going to learn a lot about the Eagles. They're seven and one. Now they're number one in my power rankings because who else is going to be, but we're going to learn a lot about this team over the next few weeks and kind of where they are. It'll be interesting to see if maybe they have a 49er, 49erian, 49erian. I don't even know what I would say there. I don't even know how I would do it, but it'll be interesting to see if they, you know, where kind of they stand after this. From I mean, I can't wait to have our the Eagles dead conversations in three weeks. Oh, so I'm buddy, so looking I'm, forward to them. I can't wait. I can't wait for for those conversations. The yeah, they're gonna be fine. But it is a tough. It is a tough stretch. Yeah. I mean, yeah. on the on the other side of it, on the or at least on the receiver side of it, I mean, AJ Brown. I think we just need to take a minute and say, AJ Brown is wild. AJ Brown is open at every moment of every day. Poor Emmanuel Forbes. He. He's going to have better days ahead, but just absolutely, Maybe. just absolutely mauled by A.J. Brown two times. This year. It's just, A.J. Brown's amazing, man. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe taking a 165-pound cornerback, <laughs> not the move, man. Yeah, uh, so love that. What about definitely leaving, it, definitely see- leaving your 165-pound cornerback and man coverage versus an absolute demon that was carved out of Mount Olympus. Also, not a good move. Yeah, no, didn't work out. Didn't work out. I feel uh, bad for I guess him because he something. literally got benched after the first AJ Brown game, and they like, brought worked, it back. And he worked his way yeah. back. It was just like whatever uh, syndrome you want to call it. It's like, dude, like why? Why put him in the safe spot? Give him another week. Give him another week. Let Be him fun. guard Demario Douglas. Exactly. <laughs> Wait a week. Um, put him on Juju. I do think we. I do think we need to mention Devontae Smith, though, because he did get there against Washington, but his two good games recently have come against Washington. So how are you feeling about kind of where he is and his his spot in the offense? Yeah, I mean, the usage just isn't high enough. I mean, even this past week, 20% of the team targets target on 17% of his routes. He was a big DFS hit. But, like, the math, you can get a buy with that against the Commanders. Like, 20% of the targets against the good pass defense like the Cowboys, like, I think he's more of a volatile play, fantasy play again this week. I like Goddard a little bit more if you're doing DFS stacking stuff with the Eagles. Um, but with the Eagles, you kind of know what we're doing. They're another team, too. Like, we talked about the running back situation. Like, DeAndre Swift, like, the last month has been very meandering as well. It's just fan. This is where we are, man. This is the life we live. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, hopefully you have a good running back on a good offense. That is where we are. Which actually brings us right into Tony Pollard, who has been... I think Tony Pollard is my most disappointing player of the season. And he hasn't even gotten hurt, and he's doing fine from fantasy perspective. Uh, from a season-long, you know, week-to-week, it's been a more of a roller coaster. But one of the reasons I was so excited about Pollard was 
that his explosive plays over his rookie contract, even as he was getting more and more work, each season his workload increased over his rookie contract, and those explosive plays stuck around, and we just haven't seen him this year. 6.5% of his carries have gained 10 or more yards. That's 40th among qualified uh, qualifying backs. That means he has to live on volume, which is not, I think, what we expected from Tony Pollard. We expected we would get that volume sometimes, and we would have the explosion, and that's why we would be excited for him for fantasy. It hasn't been there. This is a tough matchup. I'm just, you're going to play him. Again, we're back yep. to this. You're going to play him. But he, I think he is my most disappointing player of, of the season. I think that's kind of where I stand with Pollard. Yeah. I would say Devontae Adams, uh, definitely in that conversation. Uh, there's a, I was kind of, I was a, I was a little bit out on Devontae Adams already before this exact reason, and because I was worried about Jacoby Myers' target. Yeah, yeah, but and I so, think it's there because uh, he's a guy you have to put in your lineup every week. Like that's the thing. Like because you've we've had guys get injured, and you can't label those guys because you still get to replace those players in your lineup. Uh, and like Tony Pollard's a guy that's been in your lineup every game, every week he's been in your lineup. So like you've gone through all of this like turbulation and it's weird. The Cowboys haven't played. They played no normal games, really like the three games that they've played a neutral game script. He has 32, 26 and 21 touches hundred yards in all of those games. Uh, but this matchup is, is awful. Like even if we get the volume, I mean, the Eagles have allowed two running backs to clear 50 yards, the highest rushing yards they've allowed in a game to a player is 59. They've had one rushing touchdown to a running back. And it, you can argue that they let that running back score that touchdown. The Brees Hall touchdown at the end you, of the You Jets can't game. argue that is exactly what happened. So, like, this is a game, yeah. even if you say, all right, in neutral game script, we've got this three-game sample that when the Cowboys play in these neutral game scripts, like, he's going to get 80% of the backfield touches. But is that enough in this matchup, right? Like, it's it's like he's going to need a big play. Like, volume alone isn't going to get us here in this matchup because nobody's run on the Eagles. So he's going to need to create a big play somehow. We talked about, like, I mean, you've got Jameer Gibbs on by, you got Travis Etienne on by, you got Christian McCaffrey on by. Like, you're stuck with it. you got to put him in. Uh, but this is definitely not a spot I would expect, like, any type of a ceiling outcome. Absolutely. And we're going to have to move on pretty quickly here, but I just wanted to give you time to talk about how wonderful CeeDee Lamb is and how this is going to continue forever, and we're never going to have to worry about CeeDee Lamb again. I mean, we still will. It's the Cowboys. I mean, like, you know, we, we got to trust this offense to do the right thing all the time. But to be fair, they have done the right thing the last couple of weeks. They've moved him outside. He's played 43 and 49% of his snaps outside the past two weeks, his highest uh, rates this season. And he's averaging 4.6 yards per hour. I mean, he's just a good NFL wide receiver. And he was kind of like forced to play in the slot out of necessity for the offense. But like he can win everywhere and just gives him access to more of those uh, high cholesterol fantasy targets uh, on the outside. So just peppering some of those in where you can get some of those downfield targets on the outside that are soaked in fantasy fat uh, is just only going to make a player that's a good player already out of the slot even that much better for fantasy football. This feels like a personal attack against me with all of this fat talk. I'm going to be very honest. No, 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 no. These, we love it. These are personal. These are personal. Uh, yeah, obviously. Look at me. If you're staring at me, you know that I'm I'm the beef tallow. You <laughs> I uh, I have a lot of I have good beef tallow for the last time I cooked a brisket and so now I'm very interested in this video. You gotta make some you homemade fries, to... man. We gotta make some homemade fries. You need to send me. You need to send me that link once we get done with this. We'll we'll figure <laughs> we'll figure that out for sure. I'm uh, thinking about. We'll move on to the bills and bills and bangles. Before we do that, though, Josh wants us to tell him how awesome his team is. Josh, you don't need to ask us. <laughs> Can you rate my 16 man lineup, Burrow? No. So he's in a 16 team league. 
He has Burrow, CMC, Kamara, yeah, Amon Ra, Jamar Chase, Logan Thomas, Brees Hall. Josh, you know you're you know that that's yeah, a juggernaut. Yeah. You don't need us to tell you that that's a juggernaut. You don't need our validation. You did awesome. Good work, Josh. Uh, that's a great team. Then we got a question here from from Dylan. Made a big move, traded Ford, Goddard, and Diggs for Etienne, Hawkinson, and Devonta Smith. A good move. I mean, the Diggs part of that is the only question I have here. To me, that feels like a good move. Uh, Hawkinson, Goddard, I don't know. What do you kind of think of that? It feels relatively fair to me, even-ish to me, but kind of how do you see it? I think his whole the core of his roster is improved because it's we talked yeah. about it last week with the trade. Like you know, it's easy to look at these things in vacuum, but like, what does it do for your starting lineup? Like now, his starting lineup he listed it as Etn, Christian McCaffrey, Ayuk, yeah. Brandon Waddle. Then he's got that rotation of Zay Flowers, Contegrashi, or Devonte Smith. Now he's got Devonte Smith. Yeah, Devonte Smith. Uh, yeah, his so like better. So like his whole yeah. the core of his lineup is he's putting a better lineup on the field every week, uh, which so. And that's what you try to do as you ramp up the fantasy playoffs. You want to think about it as when I get in the fantasy playoffs, there's no buys. What's the best roster I can put together uh, and try to do that? Actually, there was a trade in one of my leagues this week that was it was a terrible trade. Uh, there's no collusion, so it is what it is. And you move on and you know hope you can benefit from it. But it was a terrible trade. And I think the thing and one of the one of the responses from the person who was on the wrong side of the trade was, well, these four players are going to score the same amount as those two players. So why does it really matter? And that's kind of the <laughs> fundamental misunderstanding of, of fantasy football cool. is that exactly. That's why you don't draft quarterbacks as early. You know, it's changed a bit in the best ball era, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter if four players are scoring the same amount as two players, your lineup is worse because those two players have two other players there. And it's all about replacement value. And it's all about kind of what you're looking at. And I think your point about the playoffs is really important. This is the time of year. If you have a good team, if you're Josh and you have an absolute juggernaut, Josh, you don't need to do anything. You're going to win that league. Congratulations. But the if you have an absolute juggernaut, what you need to be doing is trading those bench players and trying to upgrade, doing two-for-ones and trying to upgrade because all that matters is the starting lineup. Nothing mm-hmm. else matters unless you're in best ball is a starting lineup. And I think that's the way really to to approach these things. So that's a good point uh, by you. Bills Bengals, real quick. I mean, Joe Burrow's back, baby. We're back. Joe Burrow's back. I will say he he still only attempted uh, 5.7 air yards per attempt yep. against the 49ers, which, you know, I'd like to see more downfield passing. I'd like Jamar Chase to be less reliant on volume. But he was healthy. He was able but to That's what the offense was the last legs. year. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's true. Um, but he was healthy. He was able to get involved with his legs. Joe Burrow's back. We're, we're, we're all in on this. Dude, song. that play he had where Eric Armstead had him. He got out of Eric Armstead's grasp. He kind of threw like a half stiff arm. He got help from an offensive lineman and got yeah. both on the ground, rolled out. Fred Warner took Fred Warner drilled him and he threw this sidelong seed to T Higgins. Like, dude, that was that play. Like what, when I saw that, I was like, well, I guess he's just back, baby. We're back. And they and yeah. we saw like fundamentally, I mean, uh, it wasn't just the mobility and stuff. I mean, they were under center. They said they hinted towards us. They were under center for 22.6% of snaps. He had a 4% rate plier. And what that did is you got more play action. They used play action on 40.6% of the dropbacks. He was an 18.1% plier. It just allowed a lot more avenues to the Bengals to be more versatile to where they had to protect him and be in shotgun literally every single snap. You want to say we made mention of the Eagles schedule. The Bengals schedule is kind of rough too. They get the Bills, then they have the Texans. We'll see what the Texans do in the wake of 
that terrible Panthers loss. That mm. they had no business losing that game. What a terrible loss by the a Texans team. I was kind of getting excited about, but then they get the Ravens, the Steelers, the Jaguars. They have the Steelers again. They have the Chiefs later in the year. The Bills, the Bengals have a, a bit of a tough schedule as well. But yeah, it looks like Joe Burrow's back, and that's going to be good for Chase. It's going to be good for Joe Mixon. You know, Joe Mixon's quietly yeah. been he was awful last year. He's quietly been okay this year. And so if this offense is going to take a step forward, that's going to be huge for him. He was probably a good buy low for people. I don't know if it's still open, but he it, probably is going to have a lot better second half of the season, I'd imagine. Yeah, I agree. I think that he's someone you should be targeting in trades for sure. Real quick on the Buffalo backfield, they signed Leonard Fournette. He's on the practice squad right now. I don't know when he's actually going to be um when he's actually going to be promoted, but does that even really change yeah. what we're getting out of Cook? I it kind of doesn't to me, right? No. I you know, obviously you have the Damian Harris injury. Latavius Murray's been ineffective. He's getting these short yardage carries, but he's not converting them. So it could be like part of that. Uh, they're just, they listen, James Cook doesn't play in the hurry up offense and he doesn't play near the goal line. That's just kind of a problem for fantasy football for him to be like a, a ceiling player. And that's why we've seen the floor kind of, he's just forced to live off of efficiency. Like, and it's fine when you can rip those runs like he was like in week two against the Raiders, but we've seen three of the past four weeks, he's been the RB 30 or lower in those games because he's not getting any money touches for fantasy. So he's not getting any of the beef tallow touches. Nothing in fantasy fat is soaked for James Cook right now. Glad <laughs> that we've created that we've created a brand new a brand new fantasy saying. I can't wait until next August when we're we're tired of the uh the soaked in fat. Is this guy soaked in fat? Uh, one more thing on this game. I did we we mentioned last week we were talking about that Thursday night game how one of the reasons I was a little bit wary on Dalton Kincaid, and that was wrong, by the way, I missed that completely. But one of the reasons I was a little bit wary is I thought we were going to see this offense change and switch completely 11 personnel and get more out of the wide receivers. And to be fair, that is what we, that is what we saw. 75% of their snaps were in 11 personnel. Uh, their first half, uh, their first half, first down drop back rate. So trying to take some of the trying to take some of like the game script stuff out of it was 71%, uh, which was 60% season average before that wide receivers were the targets on 77% of the throws. It was 64% of the season average. And so we did see this change and we saw this offense kind of move into the direction that you've been saying for a long time, this offense should move. And so I think that's, yeah, it wasn't never the best played game Dawson Josh again, Allen. man. Never played Dawson Knox again. It wasn't the best game from Josh Allen, but I think we're we're kind of excited about that moving forward. And that actually leads me right into Uncut Gems because my Uncut Gem is Khalil Shakir, who I, I passed up to Mario Douglas for Khalil Shakir. I wanted to I wanted to talk about him last week, but it was a Thursday night game, and I know a lot of people listen to this on Friday, and so I decided mm -hmm. to not do Khalil Shakir. I wish I would have done him last week. I might be I might be chasing here on him because I, I was so excited about what we saw. But he had a 71.7% route participation last Thursday, 2.79 yards per route run. I think this Bengals-Bills game is going to go off. I think this is one we are going to see it go off. Mm. And if this game goes off, then Shakir is getting enough. He was on the field enough last week, and I think that's going to continue, that we're going to see a pretty good game from him, From in my opinion. What yeah, about you? I've, I've always had a soft spot for Shakir as a prospect. If you listen to the show last year, me and Dan used to wax poetically about Khalil Shakir. 
Uh, I'm glad that he's getting an opportunity. I just really liked him as a solid player. I called him in the the preview of the draft, uh, the discounted version of Sky Moore for NFL draft. So uh looks like that. Has he, already, has he already had a better career than Sky Moore? That's the open question. <laughs> it's arguable. It's arguable right now. But I did like him. I like him as a slot player. And it, what's cool about that matchup too this week is the Bengals haven't allowed a touchdown to an outside wide receiver. Now, that when you, when you, you hear stats like that eventually, that means they're probably just going to give one up this week. But uh, they've allowed all their touchdowns to wide receivers out of the slot. So Shakira's going to get there, baby. This is the spot. I'm going with uh, Jonathan Mingo. Uh, Mingo. Yeah, Mingo. Uh, you know, we did see, you know, out of the bye, you know, Thomas Brown and the Carolina Panthers made some some small fundamental changes. Uh, they were a base level personnel team on all their dropbacks that allowed Mingo to run a route on a season high 97.5% of dropbacks. They were a little more aggressive on first downs outside of the fourth quarter they threw on first downs 58 percent of the time as opposed to 51 percent of the time prior so just a little bit bump but i like him for this this week you know not just because the context of the buys and some injuries but the the matchups there colts 25th in yards for target a lot the opposing wide receivers bad against the boundary but they also play so much zone and that's where adam thielen has had a little bit of his reduction he's only uh has a 23.4 percent team target share against zone coverage as opposed to a 41 percent target share against man coverage so if we can just get like two or three Adam Thielen targets that go to Mingo and Mingo go from five targets to eight targets against this Colts defense. It just gives him an opportunity to be kind of like a sneaky flex guy and maybe even a DFS pivot off of the popular Demario Douglas. Yeah, I think that's a good call. And I also think if we're kind of talking about these micro DFS things, Thielen has been such a great value over and over again. If you're playing over-unders, things like that, maybe this is a week to take the under to stay away from him a little bit. So something certainly to think about. That kind of information for every single player, every single game is available in Rich Rebar's worksheets over at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Remember, you can use the code ANGLES to get 15% off any of our packages over there. So check that out. If you're listening to this in a podcast, we really appreciate it. But we do this live every Wednesday. You can come get your questions answered. We can come wax poetic about your amazing fantasy team like we did for Josh's amazing fantasy team, who... Uh, can we get a cut of the, the prize money, Josh? I guess that's the question. Can we get a cut of the prize money here with that team that's definitely <laughs> going to win? But you can come check us out on YouTube uh, and uh, search Warren Sharp on YouTube. You'll find us. We'll be back next week. Stay tuned to the channel. Check out what Ryan and Todd do on Thursday night. I'll be back on Sunday for the show. And have a great week. Talk to you soon.